wonderful to see you all. Every child is special. Every child has a destiny. And every child is going to be blessed by God today. Bless our children, Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Oh, my goodness. Okay, I love it. How many of them do we have? It's wonderful. It's wonderful. Just love to see the kids. We're a big church family, and uh, our children are just such an important part. I love the way that Jesus called the children to himself. And, uh, you know, adults only church is missing out on church, what church is. Church is all ages. So important that we are kind of um, this kind of people that really believe in the old and the young, in whatever sphere of society you're from, whatever color you are, we're one big family in Christ Jesus. And we love everyone because God loves everyone exactly the same. He has no favorites except me. (laughs) Just say I'm God's favorite. And then if we all say it, we all know we are. And so there we are. In his favorite son, Jesus, we are in Christ, accepted in the beloved. What wonderful news the gospel is, the good news of Jesus. Turn with me to Acts 12. Praise God. I'm expecting great things today, so forgive me for my excitement. I've served the Lord for many years, and it's been a privilege. I'm not going anywhere, by the way. (laughs) But I'm not stopping in reaching out for the things that God wants to do. And that's the issue of all issues, is where there is an expectation, God moves. If we have no expectation, guess what? (laughs) You'll be totally bored and go home and have lunch. But God moves wherever there is a faith expectation of something happening today. And I love this story. And I really got fresh light this week. And I really got it on my heart to preach this and share with you some things. And then we're going to pray for a release of the power of God. Acts chapter 12 and verse 1. Now about that time, Herod the king stretched out his hand to harass some from the church. Then he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to seize Peter also. Now it was during the days of unleavened bread. So when he had arrested him, he put him in prison and delivered him to the four squads of soldiers to keep him, intending to bring him before the people after the Passover. Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. Sorry, I just got excited about church. 
Constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. Wow, love this. The word constant prayer means fervent and continuous. So basically they just had a prayer meeting at somebody called Mary's house. And this prayer meeting changed the intention and the set agenda of Herod, wicked people, and satanic powers. It completely changed the agenda. And Peter was held in prison with squads of soldiers, impossible to get out. Now, I can imagine Reuben and his friend, let's call him Andrew, having a chat, coffee, saying, oh, what a time we're having. First of all, some of our church members, let's, let's put it like this, Brian, Sharon, and Wendy have been put in prison for their faith. They've also killed Pastor Judith. It's how serious it would have been. Okay, this is the impact of it. And now they've put Pastor Andrea in prison in the hope that when the Passover is over, uh, they can kill him, kill her. That's a serious thing. And so I can imagine Reuben and Andrew saying, isn't it awful? We're having such an awful time. One thing after another, after another, after another. It looks like Harold's in control and dictating what's happening in the church. It looks like we're on the losing side. What's the point? What can we expect? Because James was in the inner circle, one of the closest with Jesus, one of the first disciples and he's been killed what chance do you think we have I tell you what let's migrate let's get a visa and go to Australia get out quick but you see none of this happened the intention of Satan the intention of even a wicked leader or even the history the recent history in the minds of the church, they didn't stop believing God for miracles. They didn't say this is how it goes even for great people because they had in them the teaching of Jesus Christ who said, as it is in heaven, pray it'll be done on earth. Now, earth wasn't looking great, but heaven always looks perfect. Heaven is victorious. I don't know if you know that, but when, if you are a believer and continue in your faith, when you go to glory or go to heaven, first of all, the most important thing will happen is you'll see Jesus. Anyway, face to face, you'll see him. But not just that. When you go... 
you'll understand there is no evil. There's only peace and joy. There's no hate. There's no sickness. There's no sin. And there is absolutely no Satan. But until then, Jesus said, I want you, my people, to pray on earth. That must mean where you're from. Are we on earth currently? Well, currently I am on earth. As I said, I'm not planning to go anywhere. But Jesus said for us to have this perspective of his will in any given situation and not to be dictated to or controlled by what's happened in somebody else's life. Or even in mine. In my experience, I have seen failure. In my experience, I've prayed for people and they didn't get healed. In my experience, I've experienced pain and loss. And I know some of you have experienced even worse than me. And I know that God is a God of compassion and that he is a redeemer. But I also know that the agenda of evil and of bad stuff happens must never dictate the agenda of the church in prayer. Because we're here for the will of God. And Jesus didn't leave it up for grabs as to what his will was. I think even a child can understand heaven on earth. It's not that complex. But you see, what really struck me most is that it was in this time of loss, of sadness and pain, and in this time where really there must have been fear, where they must have felt things and thought, well, what chance do we have if those great people had that happened to them? Has anybody ever thought like that? What chance do we have if it didn't work for them? Why would we think it would work for me? It's, it's, it's so important, isn't it, to see the reality, but also the determination in the church or those who wanted to go to the prayer meeting. Those who actually went to, are you going to prayer meeting this Wednesday? Oh, you're going to the prayer meeting? Yeah, I'm going. We're going to change what's happening. There are a certain group of people that said, actually, we're not going to settle for the expectation or the decree of Herod that this man of God, Peter, pops his clogs. shuffles off the earth and goes to glory. Do you know God hadn't finished with Peter? They could have said, well, Reuben might have said to Andrew, well, you, how old is he now? <laughs> well, you know what happens when you get a bit older? You can expect certain things to happen when you're a bit older. You can expect aches and pains. And if COVID doesn't get you, something's going to. It's the little but 
in there. But the church, but the church offered prayer to God for him. They were specific in their request. They said, actually, we're not going to lie down and take this anymore. I, I think they basically said, what the enemy is doing, we are not going to accept. Even though we may have experienced loss in the past, we still don't dictate that in our future. We're going to pray and make a difference about the history of the way things are going to turn out. Sorry to be feisty, but I believe it's time for feist. I believe it's time to say, this isn't as it should be. Even if we have suffered pain and loss as the body of Christ, here in this place, here in my experience, I still believe that what Jesus did on the cross when he died, he didn't just take the sin of all people upon himself. That's half the message. He bore our sicknesses. He bore our grief. He broke the curse of death. He broke the power of Satan. He took the keys of death and hell. And he now reigns victorious. I know the one who has won the victory. Over all things. So we're not half saved. Jesus didn't just get, die for my spirit, for my forgiveness. He got everything for me. He died for my whole salvation. Spirit, soul and body. Together with many promises for deliverance. Why do we pray deliver us from evil if we don't believe it? Prayer isn't going through the motions. Prayer is expecting God to bring an answer. Do you know, I love it what Charles Finney, he was a great revivalist. Blah, blah, blah. It'll come out right, I promise. It's all coming out a bit. He was a great revivalist. And he, before he became a Christian, he would go to prayer meetings. I find that really interesting. He'd go to a prayer meeting, and all these good, wonderful, great-hearted Christians would be praying fervently and continuously, like in this prayer meeting. But they never really expected God to do anything. They just had a prayer meeting. They didn't have a prayer meeting for answers, with expectation of something happening. And he said, when they, 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 he was invited to, to receive Jesus, he said, I don't understand why I would. You guys are doing a whole lot of praying and nothing's happening. A whole lot of prayer and nothing's happening. Well, something's wrong, isn't it? And he was identifying, even as somebody who wasn't saved, all the Christians really pray a lot. But I want to see answers of this God who says he answers prayer. Because Jesus said, ask and you will receive. Isn't that a promise? To ask, expecting you're going to get it. Anything according to his will. As it is in heaven. Keep it simple. 
on earth. And so he eventually did get saved and he was a revivalist and he saw whole cities and towns come to Christ. But actually the, the, the backbone or the power behind his ministry was a guy who is very little known who was a praying person. And he prayed for days and sometimes even a month in a hotel room in a city. And then Finney, he'd say, yeah, got the breakthrough, you come. And Finney would go and preach and it would all happen. But he puts down the success of that fruit, people getting saved. How many of you want to see people getting saved? I so want to see the lost come to Christ. But the success comes down to the person who prays. <coughs> or the church who prays. The church kept constant in prayer. Excuse me. Charles Wesley, or was it John, said, God does nothing on earth except in answer to believing prayer. That's an astounding thing. Imagine Reuben saying, <clears throat> well, Andrew, let God be God. He's sovereign. Uh, just let it go. Let's just stay in peace. Just let's stay in peace. <clears throat> I know God's on his throne. His will be done, brother. His will be done. And in that statement can be a world of unbelief and doubt. There's no faith. It depends how you say it. Because you can say, your will be done. In other words, get Peter out of there. And sometimes the sovereignty of God, which I believe in, by the way. Jesus will come back whether you believe for it or not. He's coming back. Jesus will return and every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that that isn't up for prayer. So there are certain things that God is going to do, but God has designed or chosen to work through someone who prays because he has a will, which is heaven on earth. And he says, you pray it according to my will and I'll do it. If you don't pray, Peter will die. Do you know what else? If we fast forward in this chapter, Peter got supernaturally evicted from prison. An angel showed up. There was also another angel showed up when Herod kind of was receiving a claim that he was God. By the end of the chapter, he was dead and eaten by worms. Ooh. And the word of God grew and many came to Christ. All because the church got together to pray. There is no other reason for it. It's all because God got moved by a people who were moved to pray. And if we're not moved to pray, God isn't going to do what he said. Even 
the greatest prophet in the Old Testament, Elijah, had a word from God, a promise that famine would end, that, this, that the, uh, there would be an outpouring of rain. And every drought ends with rain. Everything in life changes with rain when God pours out his spirit on all flesh. That changes everything. And he had a word, but he didn't just have a word and decree it. He had a word and he went to pray it. And it says he went up on Mount Carmel and he got into actually the birthing position of a woman. He must have looked weird. And some of you know what I mean when you pray and you look a bit weird because you're cooperating with the birthing of the will of God. There are people in this room who are prayers. And God wants to call the whole church to prayer. Not just one or two. Intercession is for everyone. Prayer is for everyone. Elijah got into a place to birth a change in the nation. And you know, he kept sending his servant out. Have you seen the rain? Have you seen the rain? He kept sending him out. Have you seen any evidence yet? And you know, he didn't stop until he saw a cloud. A sign. And this is what it means to continue in prayer until. Jesus actually said, you always ought to pray and not give up. And he talked about a widow who was dished out some injustice. And she is helpless. She doesn't have power, she doesn't have money, she doesn't have influence. But you know what? You are the most influential person if you know how to get answers from God in prayer. Herod bows, Pharaoh bowed. The, God, the people of God have such a privileged place to change everything through prayer. Not one of us is exempt because we all have the right to come before the throne and ask our Father in heaven that his will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And this widow, Jesus tells this parable that there's this unjust judge and he doesn't care what happens to the helpless and to those who suffer injustice. And so he, he says, uh, I'm not bothered. She keeps knocking on the door. Not bothered. She keeps knocking on his door. I want you to, to get justice. No, no, not bothered. not bothered. Every day this woman is really winding me up. She keeps coming. She keeps knocking on my door. I say no all the time and she just comes back. She is determined to say, I'm going to get this job done and I'm not going to stop until I see a move of God, until I see my family saved, until I see this generation raised for Jesus Christ. Eventually, this unjust judge said, for heaven's sake, <laughs> Take it, whatever you want. You can have all my money, all my Mercedes. You can have everything. Even my falafel business is yours. 
And Jesus says, listen to that unjust judge. Does not your father, doesn't God bear with you? He loves us. He wants to bless. He wants to do miracles. He wants to change a situation which is impossible to change. God, he answers his own elect, his chosen ones, who cry out day and night. You see, this word cry out, it's mixed with a kind of determination, but also this resolve and this, I've got to have God move. I must see God change this. And if it isn't moving you, it won't move God. Because fervent prayer moves you. I'll never forget when Joan was flatlining in hospital. I was moved to pray. There are situations. Corrie, this week we had a a testimony about her request for prayer. That blood clots had been found in her lungs, was it? In her heart. All around her heart and lungs. She's very ill in Mongolia. She's a missionary who we support. We cried out to the Lord. They'd had the evidence on uh, a screen, uh, on a scan. And the very next day, there was no evidence of blood clots. But we were moved. But not just to pray in the hope that we'd have a lucky dip with God. Has anybody ever experienced a lucky dip? It might be God's favourite moment to do a miracle. God always wants to do miracles at any moment in time because the cross of Jesus speaks about his will for humankind. And so the cry of prayer I love Psalm 18. It's so dramatic if you read there. It said, my cry came to his ears. I love that. The cry of a child will always hit a parent's ears. It doesn't matter whether they're in a room full of strangers and they're hearing loads of voices, but their own kids, they're like digging. Where are they? Especially a genuine cry. They know when they're messing around and they're not bothered. They carry on in the conversation. But when there's a genuine cry from the heart of one of God's children, this cry came before his ears and the earth shook. God wasn't happy about my situation and he came down and he drew me out of many waters. My enemy was too strong for me, but God brought me out. Isn't that the God we serve? And you know, this prayer meeting was happening at a time. I'm nearly finished. This prayer meeting was happening at a time when the Jews would remember God bringing them out of Egypt. Their minds, what was in the forefront of their minds was 
Pharaoh couldn't hold us back. The Red Sea couldn't stop God bringing us out. And you know, when you pray, if you pray with your problems and your history and your failures in mind, in the forefront of your mind, you are limiting what God wants to do. But when you remember that Jesus has done the greatest work ever done for you and for everyone you pray for, you will have in mind a victory mentality, a heaven on earth mentality. And this was the fresh light for me. They prayed with Passover in mind. They prayed not with Herod in mind, not with James dead in mind. They prayed, they prayed with Christ in mind that he has risen and conquered all our enemies. And you know, the thing about this prayer meeting, they kept going. I don't know, it could have been four or five days. Passover week is seven days. And Herod said, I'll wait till after Passover. And it got to the seventh day. But they kept going. Any news of Peter? No. Keep going. Any news of Peter? No. How many of us just stop? Because we haven't seen what God said happened. (coughs) The enemy loves it when we stop. Because he knows there's a tipping point in prayer. He knows, probably better often than we do, that if we give up too soon, we don't get what we ask for. (coughs) This is a miracle I can even preach today, by the way. And I I have done the test. And I'm okay. Excuse me. Let God be God in your prayer life. I don't mean let the rains go. I mean think about how great he is. (coughs) And get back some of the thinking that maybe you lost on your journey. Recover the ground in your mind and your heart. That God wants to do extraordinary things for you and through you. That God wants to do extraordinary things for a praying church. Prayer makes tremendous power available. (coughs) I'm going to finish with a a parable. And it's really my own little parable about a flea. A flea is very small. Irritating probably, but very small. And a flea can jump. 200 times its length. Now, if you put that in the context of me, it would mean I could jump more than a 1,000 feet. Impressive. I mean, Superman, whatever. Just imagine, a 1,000 feet. So this little thing can jump 200 times its length. But... What they've also been able to do is train a flea by putting a lid above the flea. So headroom is reduced. 
and they lower the, the, the ceiling. So this little thing tries to jump as he normally could. Ouch! Hits his head. Does it again. Ouch! Feels even worse. And learns, retrains the flea to be limited at that particular height. And that flea, even if you take the lid off or the ceiling away, never fulfills what it can do because it thinks and believes what happened in the ouch is what should happen in life. Now, I've had lots of ouches in prayer. I thought things would happen a certain way and they didn't happen. And the enemy, all I know is God is good and none of that is from the Lord. I am fully, fully convinced that God is good. Jesus is the goodness of God. He himself revealed how good God is. He went around doing good, healing how many all who were oppressed of the... Doesn't that pack a punch where, where the problem lies is with the enemy? And so all my ouches are either... Well, it's definitely from the enemy, but it's also I've decided that the failure is never on God's side. But I refuse condemnation. I won't be condemned by my lower ceiling experiences and my ouches. Let me tell you, I'm not going to die, by the way. I keep talking like this, but I'm not going anywhere. But even if I did, I believe the cross is the will of God for my life. And that would mean healing and victory. Oh, yes. And I just want to ask the question from the Lord to, for you this morning. What ceiling has the enemy put over you? Are your expectations through disappointment and pain, have they come so low that you no longer pray for miracles? You no longer expect your kids to be healed when everybody else is getting the flu? Oh, it's just going round, you know. Well, then it will go round. Because it's what you say, it's what you believe. And Jesus doesn't want any of us to settle for a low ceiling expectation of answer to, answer to prayer. You know, that prayer meeting could have been all about Peter having strength to go through. 
having peace to go through, that when the sword came, it wouldn't hurt. And guess what? God would have answered that. But they didn't stop there. And listen, kingdom faith, I'm not either. I believe, for me, this is a red letter day. Right? That's why I'm wearing red. It's just coincidence. I've refused to allow what has happened and the grief and the loss of the past to dictate my belief and thinking. Will you? Because I'd love us to really pray. Lid off prayer this morning. Anybody want to pray lid off prayer? I want us to pray lid off prayer. Let's stand. Thank you, Jesus. We hope you've enjoyed this message from Kingdom Faith Southwest. For further information, log on to kingdomfaithsw.com.